0: God bless you as you take a seat. So glad that you're here with us this morning on our Monday morning chapel. Wow. Awesome. And we have a great tradition here at Summit that in our Monday mornings to begin the year, we start with our president of our school. Dave was up here last week. Wasn't it awesome? And then the next Monday, we start with our other president, our student body president. And let me tell you, I am Riley excited for this morning. <laughs> He's Riley going to do a good job. Hey, Riley, Berthodin, give it up for him. Hi. Oh, there we are. Good morning. Good morning. How are you guys all doing today? Guys, isn't it a beautiful Monday out? Like, I, I was in sun for a second, and I was like, this is glorious. Like, I can almost go, go back take off my pants, put shorts on, and go suntan. It was that good. So that was, that was awesome. That's what I was going to do, actually, right before this. Yep. Uh, and so, guys, good morning. Welcome to chapel. Uh, I just want to start off by asking you guys, uh, who was here last Monday and can tell me, what did Dave talk about last week? Just just give me a couple shout-outs. Psalms, wow, we are really in the bucket here. This is really nice. I heard worship somewhere. No, yeah, see, Gavin knows. Did you write that down? Is that why? He doesn't even open it, but he knows. A plus. Anyone, come on. Come on, guys. Someone's got to know. Austin. Worship wherever we go. That is correct. Guys, remember that. That Dave talked about that our worship is not confined to these walls and to the sanctuary or even to this campus, but that our worship is is our lives. It's going out to Walmart and living out our lives, uh, and that's how we conduct ourselves is our worship to God. And so that was a great word from Dave. I was so encouraged and uplifted, and so that was awesome. And so today, I'm going to speak on, again, in the book of Psalms. Uh, I'm going to be in chapter 46, and we're going to do the whole chapter. And so... Guys, I, I revere the Lord. I respect Him. And so, uh, I would ask if you guys would like to stand with me as we read His Word because, uh, He's just so great. And this is, this is God breathed. It's a little longer, so stay standing. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, God, as, as we come to this Monday morning chapel, God, and we look to you and we revere who you are, God, we fear who you are, Lord, but we also am thankful for who you are, God, how you are our protector, God, how when we look to you, we find strength, and when we look to you, we exalt your name, Lord, and so would you be with us today in this chapel, Lord, would you speak to each individual in this room, Lord, would you speak to me as well, teach us, Lord, instruct us in your way, God, and we leave feeling changed by your word and your life, God. We pray over this day, Lord, would you bless it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You guys can sit maybe seated. And so guys, this, this psalm, I was trying to find a psalm. I, I honestly spent about six hours trying to pick a psalm. It was, it was rough. I was wrestling with God. Uh, but I came out, and this, this psalm stuck out to me. And there's a couple things that are interesting about this psalm. The first one is that this psalm is actually a song. So it's actually meant to be uh, played with musical instruments and sung out uh, with a melody uh, and all that. It's, a, it's an actual song, all right? The second thing is, if you look in your Bibles, in mine it says it, but the, the psalm is broken up into three sections, each one with a silah, or silah, however you want to say it. It's, I say silah, so we're going to roll with that one, Okay. <laughs> And a Salah means that, that it's, a, it's like a break in the song, either a musical break or a like, instrumentally, an instrumental break. And so it's, it's broken up for us into three different sections. The second thing about this is that the psalm was written, uh, by, written, sung by the sons of Korah. I don't know if any of you guys know who Korah is, but it, we're going to backtrack, backtrack a little back into numbers. So Korah was was uh, someone that was in the wilderness wanderings with Moses and Aaron, and he was not happy with them. And so him and about 250 other men rose up and, and tried to come against Moses and Aaron, saying that they, they've elevated themselves to their level. And so they were mad at them. And so Moses uh, was like, okay, hey, tomorrow morning, God is going to show us who he has chosen. as either me or you guys. And so the morning comes, uh, and the Lord speaks to Moses and says, tell everyone, who's near their tents in the place where they dwell to move away for I am going to do something. And so he goes and he explains to the whole congregation. And he says uh, he says that if these men die a normal death that any men would die, then uh, then they are the leaders, which is kind of weird because then they would still die. But that's, that's kind of the gist of what he said. But he said, if these men die by something new, that if the ground opens up and swallows them alive, then you will know that I uh, have been sent by God. And immediately once he finished these words, the ground opened up and all these men fell down alive into the earth. And so then Moses was known that he was actually sent by God. And so you may be asking, why is this, why is this psalm written by a son of Korah when Korah was uh, not so great? He tried to come against Moses. But the thing is that some of his sons did not die in that time and they uh, they continued on and you'll see that they actually joined David in his army. A couple of them and also they uh, they were also doorkeepers and custodians of the tabernacle later down the road. And then eventually also became musicians in the tabernacle. And so then this is when they wrote and performed these songs. And so I thought that was really cool. It's kind of like a redemption of of the ancestors that they have, are now giving back. To it, and so there's eleven psalms that are written by these sons of Korah, and so we're just going to jump into the first section, first section, uh, verse one to three. I'm going to read it again. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. So, first things first. This was a song, man, do you guys, you guys in those words? How powerful would that song be? Alright, think of this, think of this. In a bridge, James is on the toms there, giving her on the, therefore we'll not fear, James is going hard, Joanna's like low, and then they hit a, they hit, they repeat it, and Joanna s- jumps about eight octaves, starts hitting the high notes, you know, like, Woo! And, you know, everyone's just losing their mind. I can imagine this, how, you know, like, Wilf is walking up and down, like, praying the Spirit over everyone. Dave's in the back, speaking in tongues. Like, this thing is powerful. I can already feel it. It's brewing. And so that's how I picture it back in the day. Maybe a little bit differently. Maybe not as many drums or stuff like that. Electric guitars, maybe. But it's a powerful song, guys. That's how That's how I feel about it. And so reading this first section, uh, asking the question, what is this trying to tell us? And so my first point is that radical trust in God erases all fear. All right, radical trust in God erases all fear. So in verse 2 and 3, we can see something's happening. It talks about uh, the earth is giving way, the mountains are moving into the heart of the sea, the waters roar and foam. This is, we, we recognize what this is trying to say. We look back to Genesis and, and uh, in the creation account, the Lord created the earth, and, and so in day three, he separated the waters. It was just water, and then he separated them and made dry land. He put boundaries on the water so they could not rise up. And so uh, on the third day, he created land and uh, ocean. But this is talking about the event, This is the opposite that the water is actually tearing down the mountains, is, is crumbling them down, and, and taking them back into the sea. So I, I read in a, uh, in a commentary, they called it this an uncreation. An uncreation. It's such a, a huge event. This is, and so this for our lives does not look like troubles that we walk through every day. This is not this is not a little thing. It's it's the worst of the worst. The entire earth as we know it is being destroyed, and that's what the psalm is is trying to depict. This is big. It's never there's nothing we've ever seen before. All right? You gotta, you gotta keep that in your mind. But the psalmist. Is explaining that even though this uncreation event, this destruction of the earth is occurring, that we do not have to fear because if we look in verse 1, it says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble, though we should not fear. And in the second part of this verse, it says a very present help in trouble. And so I really feel this, uh, that, that second verse, and I know some of you guys do too, because uh, it reminds me of Mark Hawk's exams, okay? Freshmen, you don't know what they're like yet, but trust me, it's, uh, he gives you 11 sermon or essays that you have to uh, figure out, study, and memorize, all right? And you go to the day exam, he picks s- random six, and he says, okay, write on one, three, and five, or two, four, and six. And so there, you have no chance. Like, it's, 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 it's brutal. Like, <laughs> just you wait. We've all struggled. And so upperclassmen, you guys know, you guys have walked into an exam, you're like, I've only studied about 9 out of the 11, but I know he's not going to pick this one, because obviously he's not going to do it. And you walk in, you sit down, and then you open it, and the first question, the mandatory question, is the one you didn't study, and your heart just drops, All right, I can see you guys feeling that a little bit, you guys are like, oh yeah, I resonate with that, Riley, amen, A plus. So there's that, you go in and you're like, dang, I didn't study for this. Uh, I can't look at my notes. I'm already in the exam. I can't ask a friend because we're here. There's nothing I can do in this moment. I'm stuck and you know that you're going to do poorly. And so look like at illustration, but the thing is, God is not like that. The moment you feel anything, any anxiety, any depression, any, any feelings of, of self worth, God, it, it, there's, you can't, you can't avoid those situations, but when you feel those, God is our refuge and strength. He's a very present help, okay? He is, he is present and he is immediate. He is there for you to run to him. He's there for you to hold him. He, he wants to comfort you. He may not take it away. He may not, may not take away that anxiety, that fear, but he's there to stand alongside of you, to walk with you. And so how often do we seek God first in those kind of scenarios, And how often do we seek worldly remedies instead? When we're scared, when we're afraid, when we're stressed out, do we seek God first or do we seek other things? Because I know in my life, when I'm stressed, when I'm afraid, I don't don't seek God first. I go to friends. I try to busy myself up and and get away from the stresses and just hang out with friends a little bit to get a little bit of a, a, just a better feeling that I'm not stressed, that I'm not here. And so but I fail to realize that that God is actually the most immediate and present and best help that I can get in that situation. I'm wrong. I just feel like God's not tangible, so I can't come to him and feel the goodness right away, but I am so wrong in that. And I it doesn't say that friends, that sports, that, that uh busying yourself up can take those away. It may, may to a degree, distract you for a bit, but it will not take it away. But God's help is effective and immediate. One commentary says, uh, he is described as an ever-present help, which in Hebrew means something like a help that can be found when you need it. He's a very present help. And so thus, we do not need to fear because He is there for us. Again, radical trust in God erases all fear. Trusting in God in the midst of our own troubles, when we fear, when we have anxieties, when we're, when we're struggling, we've got to remind ourselves that we don't have to fear when there's a storm around us, because we know we can trust in God and know that he has a plan. His plan is better than what we can plan, and so that we, we just need to walk in obedience and follow along a lamp beneath the feet, follow God without fear, because he will take care of us. That is radical faith is walking without fear, no matter what happens. As you guys know, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And so a question I want you guys to think about is, are you willing to trust God when you are fearful? Are you willing to trust him when you are scared and afraid? And how are you going to show God that? I just want you guys to think about that. How are you going to show God that? And so there's a, there's, a, there's a transition, a change of moods from the first section to the second section. And so we're going to read the second section, verse 4 to 7. It says, There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And so my my second point is that we can trust God because he is our fortress. And so we see from the first section, we go from chaos, from waters ripping apart mountains, taking them into the heart of the sea, making them tremble at the very swelling of the ocean. And we go to a calmness of a river in a stream that waters the city of God. What this passage is talking about is the promise of Zion, the promise of the new Jerusalem, Where God is going to come one day and we're going to live face to face with him. And we're going to have eternity with him. And so thus the people of Israel can rejoice and be confident knowing that God will dwell with them one day in Jerusalem. And so the waters is a huge power. It's an uncreation style event. But this power that's being described is still not enough to take down God. Because God is in the midst of Zion. He's in the midst of us. And he will not be moved. Zion will not be moved. And since God is in the midst of the city and we are with him, then we will not be moved with him. Have you guys ever played this game? It's called King of the Hill. All right. King of the Hill. Uh, If you haven't played it before, it's usually played on a dock on the water, right? Water height. And what you do is all your friends stand up there and you say, go. And you try to push everyone off beside yourself and be the, be the king on the hill, be the last one standing, right? You guys play this game? Or am I the only one? Okay, good. And so, I used to play this game a lot, especially in youth group. We'd go to a beach, and we'd play this. And me and my my, my couple boys, we were uh, really competitive. We were all about less than 100 pounds, but had the attitude of, like, Dwayne the Rock Johnson and Kevin Hart put together. We were like little chihuahuas, you know? We just wanted to win. And so... <laughs> Joel was one of them, actually. <laughs> And uh, we, we, would, we would play on this dock, and we, we'd always want to win, so we'd kind of team up. But there was this one kid in the group. He's younger than us, but he was about, like, 250 pounds, like 6'11", like, giant man. Okay, he's not that big, but he was, he was he was a lot strong, a lot bigger. And so he would just kind of, like, stand in the middle, and we would be on one side, and he'd kind of form a little team of the weaker ones behind him. And we still wanted to win, so we're like, all right, we'll get the ones around him, and we'll, and we'll get him. And so we'd try to go around, but he was... The dock wasn't big enough, so he'd just stand in the middle, and we'd try to go, and he'd just push us off that way. No, that way. Like, we couldn't get by him. He was, he, we couldn't get to the people behind him. So we're like, you know what? We'll all take him at once. So we all go to him at once. He can literally pick us all up, walk over to the end, and just deposit us in the water. There's, he he was, he was a rock. He was solid. There's no way around him. Uh, and it made us very angry, because we like to win. All right? And so, This is like God in this passage. God is that kid in the middle of the, uh, of the dock. And he's immovable. And we're the, we're the people behind him on his team. And so there's things like, like I said, anxieties, depression, stresses, all trying to get at us, but God is in the middle. And he's pushing those things away. He's deflecting them. He's standing in the way for us. And they can't get to us because God is immovable, because he is the mountain that cannot be shaken, and we are with him. Thus, we will not fall, because he is our fortress. The psalmist explains even more of what God is capable of. It says, the nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And so I, I hope many of you guys have seen this movie. I know Kirsten has it, but Lord of the Rings. Who's seen Lord of the Rings? Come on. Amen. Those who haven't looked around, see the, see the excitement on their faces? You've got to watch it. All right? So I read this verse, and for some reason I thought to this scene in Lord of the Rings. It's the third movie in the trilogy. It's the part where Sam and Frodo are, are going up the, uh, Mount Mordor to go deposit the, the ring in the fire. And, the, you know, the eye is getting close on them. And so the army that's outside of Mordor is like, you know what, like, we got to do something, we got to do something. Uh, and so they muster their army of, like, 300-ish people, and they go and stand in front of the entrance in a mortar, the giant black gate. You guys can picture this right now, right? That, pfft, I think it was huge. And they kind of, they like, call them out, they're like, okay, like, distraction. And so, <laughs> and all they hear is, like, a faint sound, maybe a faint roar. And then you hear the, the gates start to uh, open, and it starts to opening, and just thousands and thousands and thousands of orcs of all different sizes, mini chihuahuas to giant, uh, 257, 611 guys are coming out, and they surround them in a circle. They're outnumbered about 50 to 1, okay? There, there's no hope. It's, 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 it's brutal. The nation was raging. That, that nation of Mordor was raging, and their kingdom was, they were slipping. They were scared. They, were, uh, they didn't know what to do. It seemed like all hope was lost. But then but then God uttered his voice. The ring was dropped in the fire. And immediately the tower exploded, and the, all the all the dark armies of Mordor all fell into the earth, and what was left was the, the three hundred in the middle. And so when God utters his voice, we can read right here when God utters his voice, the darkness that surrounds us vanishes. When He is with us in our troubles, when we, when we are troubles, when He is with us, they are gone. They cannot stand in the name of the Lord. Darkness trembles at God's name and at His presence. And so we fear not because we have come under His wing, we have come under His protection. He is our fortress. Thus, darkness cannot have any part of us. We can trust God because He is our fortress, because He is immovable. Zion shall not be moved. He utters his voice and the earth melts. He is with us. He is our fortress. We are in Zion. We are in the city of God. But we must always come back to him. We must always be near him. We must always be behind him. Because he's our fortress. He protects us. And so question, are you willing to trust God to be your one and only fortress? To be your main fortress? And how are you going to show him that? Again, think of that. We're going to go to the third and last section. Verse 8 says, Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolation on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And so, my third and final point is that we can trust in God because He has power over the entire earth. And so, this last section begins with an invitation to come and see what the Lord does. And so, we see that He is He is uh, there's an there was a battle, and the Lord had won. He had shattered the spears. He had burned the chariots. The God, God has already won. He has completely destroyed the enemy. And He's saying to us, "Come and see what I do for you. Come and see what I continue to do for you." He squashes the enemy before it has a chance to reach us. And so this shows us that God has power, not only his people. Not only his people. But God has power over things that are not of him. He can blot out the things that don't align with his will. God goes ahead of us. He sees over the horizon. He sees the wars coming. And he fights them for us before they can reach us. He has power over everything that exists. And so we need to begin to trust God that he has power over all the earth, that the no seas, no mountains, uh, no fears, no death, no nothing, nothing is more powerful than God. Everything is subject to God's rule. And so for us, when we're in certain situations in life, when we are not confident, we don't know the out, what the outcome is going to be, we need, we need to be confident knowing that, that we need to trust in the Lord, that he has power of the situation. Because God is unmatched, right? God is unmatched, right? There's no one else like him, correct? Then why should we fear when his power is unmatched and he is on our side? As he goes ahead of us, we should live in life knowing that he has already won the battle. He has already won the battle. He has broken the the bow. He has shattered the spear. He's already burned the chariots. Now all we have to do is walk out and trust him. One commentary read by Gerald Wilson says, Yahweh is indeed the refuge strength and fortress of the faithful who can remain confident in his protective care, even in the face of a crumbling world or a rampant military attack. And so there's another contrast that occurs at the very end of this section, just like the water, they're rushing one of those toppling mountains, to the sea or to the to the river. There's a part where God is there's utter destruction, where the Lord defeated, there's destruction, there's death, and we come to a part and it says be still. It says, be still. It's a change of direction. Be still. What does be still mean? Again, Wilson describes it as, it does not mean to be quiet or calm as much as it means to stop what, you are, what you've been doing and be still. Only when we cease our own frantic activity can we begin to experience God's acting for us. It doesn't mean to just be quiet doesn't mean just to to settle down. It means to stop what you're doing. Just stop, take a moment, and look to the Lord. What I want you guys to get out of this entire psalm, out of this entire sermon, is that putting our trust in God means that we can be still in the midst of a storm. That we can be still in the midst of the highs and the lows. That's what putting our trust in the Lord means. And so if you're going through your life right now, and we just got to school, the the buzz of coming to a new school, of meeting new people, of, of trying cafeteria food, of being away from the parents, of being independent, it's exciting. It's awesome. But sometimes we get caught up in the busyness, and we don't prioritize God in that moment. And so if you're like that, just stop what you're doing. Just stop. And just take a moment to be still in front of the Lord and come back to Him, because everything we do is from Him. It's for Him. It's worthless if we're here and we're not seeking God. It's worthless. Because God is the one that we seek. We're Bible college, for goodness sakes. We want to seek the Lord. Let him encounter you again. Let him revive your spirit. But I've also seen a bunch of you guys down at breakfast, reading your Bibles while you eat, coming out of of the prayer rooms early in the morning with your Bible in hand. I've seen you guys do that. And let me encourage you. That's good. Okay, that's awesome. We it it doesn't go unnoticed. I am encouraged by you guys who devote all the time and see that that day to day uh, ability to just continue come and come before the Lord and be still. So keep it up. Okay, it's encouraging to me and to everyone else around you. But I know we uh, the busyness hasn't quite hit yet. So let me warn you. Uh, An author named John Phillips says that one of Satan's trap. Traps is to get us so involved in activity that we have no time to be still in the presence of God. And so there's there's a passage, this quote reminds me of, it comes from 1 Kings 19. I'm just going to read from verse 11, but the context is Elijah is running away because uh, people are trying to kill him, they're killing the prophets, and he's trying to escape. And so he comes to this cave, he's hiding. And verse 11 says, and and he begins talking to the Lord, and the Lord says... So Elijah, in the midst of chaos, where he's fleeing for his life, where he's clinging on to a little bit of hope, where there's no one beside him, comes to the Lord in this cave, and is still. And no matter what the situation is, he remains still, even though it's life-threatening, and said, Lord, I need you. And the Lord came, not in a loud, booming voice, but in a, a, a thin silence, a quietness, a stillness. So no matter our situation, we need to give time to remain still. And after we are still is when we will truly know God. The psalmist encourages us to know God. Okay, It's tempting for, for uh, Israel to ally themselves with uh, foreign enemies, to military power, to go after pagan ways. So for us, it's really tempting to align ourselves with friends that, are, that, that can distract us from things, from, uh, from going out into town, getting away from campus, getting away from the struggles that you're going through, sheltering yourself, And so it's tempting, but we've got to learn that we need to preserve to the end because there's hope in the end that we will be with God in Zion, in the new Jerusalem. So just before I end, students, especially freshmen, this place may seem like it is super joyous all the time. It may seem like nothing can harm me here, but let me be the first to burst that bubble. Yes, this place is amazing. You can grow spiritually. You are so encouraged. You're uplifted. You, uh, you learn so much. You grow in your faith so much that it's, it's actually ridiculous. You don't even know what's coming. It's an amazing place here. But this place can also be the darkest, most challenging and difficult times in your life. And there's upperclassmen here who can, who can attest to that. And so just because you are here does not mean that you're not going to encounter any storms. Just because you're in at some, it does not mean you're going to encounter any trials in your life. So just know that whatever season you're in, however you are feeling, whether good or bad, we need to constantly stop what we are doing, still ourselves, and look to the Lord. And trust that he's going to take care of us, regardless of the situations around us. Even I struggle with this, spending time to be still with the Lord. I get caught up in the busyness in the, in, the, in the trials of just being at Bible college, I get caught up in this, and I'm not even perfect at this. I know people, uh, staff members, we're, we're not perfect, but we try to be still. And so it's the beginning of the year, and everything is still nice. You know, you just, there's no stresses, exams aren't yet, you're just uh, finding out your ministries and, stuff and all that. Routine is not set in. So let me challenge you that while routine is still not setting in, block out a time where you can spend with the Lord and just be still. Block out of time. Put it in your calendar so that no matter what your schedule looks like, this is the time that you spend with the Lord. Because it's so, so important that even if your schedule gets busy, you'll always have time to seek the Lord and trust Him no matter what is going on around you. And so if you don't know what being still in front of the Lord looks like, There's no secret formula. It's going outside for a walk and just listening. It's being alone. It's going to a prayer room and just being quiet. There's no secret formula. There's nothing special about it, but it, it, it allows God to speak to us. And so I challenge you as we go from this place, take time today, 10 minutes today. Go for a walk by yourself. Sit in the prayer room right after lunch for just 10 minutes and just let God speak. Or just tell him how you're feeling and just let him speak. Because he can change your life if you could just give him 10 minutes to be still in front of the Lord. I'm going to close in prayer. Jesus, God, we thank you for your protection, Lord. We thank you that we can trust you in the midst of the storm, God, that we can trust you in the midst of, of troubling times, Lord, when we don't know what to do, God. We thank you that you are a fortress, that you are our refuge, God, and we can come to you when we're in need. Lord, would we, would we practice, God, being still in front of you, Lord, as we begin to get busy with our, our day-to-day schedule, with Omega ramping up, with ministries starting to come, Lord, would we stop and take moments, God, to be still in front of you and just to hear your voice and listen to what you're speaking, God? And would we go from this place, God, Feel encouraged that you are with us regardless of the situation. That you are always with us, walking hand in hand, and that we can come to you when we need, Lord. And we can trust in you. Would you bless, God, the rest of the day? Would you bless the food that is soon to be in our bellies? Uh, and we, we, we give you today, God. Would you, would you receive all the glory today, God? And in your name we pray. Amen. All right, go, go to lunch. Go to lunch. Be, be full in ten minutes. Go. I don't know what you say at the end.